Yo, this is Pastor Tito here welcoming you to another episode of my revolutionary podcast where I'm here to help you find faith in Christ and how to follow through with your life. And we began a series called Truth Over Trends that starting now, we are going to look at specific truths and compare them to the trends of this world and see and discover that God's truth always wins out. And there's a reason why. And so today we're going to start off really with a banger and we're going to focus on what is the truth of how women should view and treat men compared to the trends. So here we go. Continuing a series called Truth Over Trends and, and everything that we have been declaring just now is that, is what we in my heart for this whole series is that, that the more that we confront ourselves with the truth of God, we are set free to enjoy God, because see, the truth of God is not, listen, it's not information. It's not something that you just come to know mentally, philosophically, intellectually. The truth of God is something we experience. It is something that shapes us and does something to us. And we've been declaring that the reason why we, it, this is not, a, by the way, a question. This is a statement that we desire and we seek truth over trends. And listen, I know that's a series name. But let's be real. This is something that is on our hearts every single Sunday. When I stand here, my goal is not to give you my opinion, man's opinions, the world's opinions. That's all trends. That comes and goes. My heart is to be able to be as faithful to the truth as possible. And listen, that should be your approach. Every time you open up the Bible, every time if you're a believer in Christ, you're spending time with him. Every single day, you should be pursuing the truth of God and rejecting the trends of this world that stand in opposition to that truth. That's something that we are called to do all the time. We're just highlighting that and focusing it today. Because listen, the truth, we talked about this last week, the truth of God is to know God. Because the truth is not information about him. Guys, listen, the truth is him. It is him. And to know truth is to know God. And I just said it, Jesus says, when you know God, that's called eternal life. Jesus said that in John 17. If you've ever thought, if this is your first time in a long time, or if this is your first time ever, and you think eternal life, I'm pretty sure you think life after death, right? That's like eternity. What you're going to experience later, uh, no, newsflash. Jesus himself literally said eternal life is to know God. It is to experience life even today. It's just going to continue on and just get better, level up later. But eternal life is to know God, is to know truth, and the truth sets us free. Trends, the trends of this world, and when I say the trends of this world, we're talking about anything that stands in opposition of knowing the truth. Trends of this world tend to distract us from knowing God. Keeps us busy or bored. And, it, and if it keeps us distracted enough from knowing God, you, remember, you, if you don't know God, you don't know eternal life. And you could, it could lead to a wasted life. And if you don't approach the truth of God in the right time, in the right way, it will waste your eternity as well. So last week, we just kind of gave the full, but today we're going to start every single week for the next handful of weeks or so. We're going to talk about a specific truth and we're going to combat, uh, you know, we're going to look at a topic and we're going to see what is the truth of God on this topic versus the trends of this world. Let's A, B, compare because what we need is truth. That makes the biggest difference. So today is going to be part one of a two-part series. We're going to finish it next week. Uh, next week is Father's Day. So all, for all the fathers, all the papas in the house, all right, you get your day. All right. It, it's the day that, uh, you know, the dads, they got to do the cooking, right? It's always weird. That's always a fun one, right? Mother's Day, you get taken out. Father's Day, 
that cook, right? And so whatever, it's funny. But we're going to do part, part one is today, part two is next week. And so because um, we're going to tackle this and we're going to do a series, Truth Over Trends, on how women and men ought to view and treat each other. What is the truth of God towards that specific topic? What are the trends so we can avoid that? And so what you're going to see over the next two weeks is, first off, when we talk about men and women, God's word is consistent. The Bible is organized, if you don't know, into two sections, Old Covenant, New Covenant, and Old Testament, New Testament. Some, the Old Testament was a setup to what everything that was going to happen in the New. And at the very beginning in the Old Testament, we see this truth that men and women are created equal. And so we see this commonality, and that is a truth statement there. By the way, I wish I could go deeper on this. I can't. The Old Testament law, the Mosaic law, the law that God gave Israel through Moses was actually one of the most revolutionary things when it comes to women's rights and values in ancient history. There's nothing that can compare to it. I, I would love to go deeper into that, but that's for another day. All right. But it was huge. And in the Old Testament, we see that men and women are created equal. Now, everything doesn't, you know, get treated well, and that's for our benefit for us to learn and see, okay, what to do, what not to do. But Old Testament, men and women are created equal, equal in worth. We are made in the image and likeness of God, which means that there is something beautiful and wonderful that is in each man and woman. That is a reflection and glory of God. And the New Testament, guess what, is consistent. It's the same thing. Men and women are viewed as equals, if not, and also what the Old Testament elevated women, oh my gosh, Jesus in the New Testament elevates them even more into so many ways. It's incredible. And the New Testament is consistent. In fact, Paul says in one of his letters, he says, listen, in Christ, we are neither rich nor poor. We are neither Jew nor Gentile. We are neither um, male or female. Now, what he is saying is uh, your economic class you know, oh, you know, everybody's the same bank account wise. No, it, when he says we are neither male or female, he's not saying gender doesn't matter. No, that statement is a statement as, of salvation. It's a salvific statement, meaning that we are in Christ. Men and women are equal in regards to both can be saved equally, ought to be, should be. And in Christ, we are all the same. Like it doesn't matter. Oh, if you're a guy or a girl, you don't have special, you know, God doesn't love you more than the other gender. Y'all feel me on that? So again, Old Testament news consistent. We are all made in the image of God. We are all treated equal. But when you look at the old and the new, you see that God expects different things from men compared to women. He views them equally, loves them equally, gifts them and everything, but he expects Unique things from women and unique things from men. Things that men, you know, men that only men can do and women that only women can do because there's something beautiful in that creation. All right. There's something beautiful in that. And so, yes, we are equal co-laborers, but there is a, there are role and functions that are a little different. So fellas, because Father's Day is next week, I'm going to deal with you guys next week. All right. So fathers, I'm going to deal with all the fellas on Father's Day. So that means ladies, you guys are on deck. All right. You guys are on deck. I mean, that is yours for today. And I got to give you a disclaimer. I got to give you a disclaimer. And this is why I'm warning you and prepping you right now. All right? I'm just setting you up. Here's the thing. Um, the disclaimer is this. I guarantee you, a lot of you throughout things that I'm going to say, you are going to be distracted and you are going to want to say, um, and what about, and what about, and what about, maybe the fellas, right? Because I'm just focusing on the ladies today. You know, this is just you. And you're going to want to, uh, and what about, and what about, and what about? So I need you to chill, because I got the fellas next week. All right? I got the fellas next week, and I promise you, I'm going to be harder on them than I am on you. 
I'm not going to pull any punches on y'all either. I'm just saying I'm going to be harder on them. So ladies, at the end of today and at the end of next week, if I didn't follow through, okay, then you have all the right to complain. I'll hear it and I will do a whole sermon. I'll just fix it. I promise. All right. That'll just be that. But I need you to understand. I need you to be okay. This is going to be for me because I'm going to cut deep. Okay. I'm going to go deep. All right. I'm going to cut you right at the very, out the gate. All right. Because we're, we're going to start. All right, with the woman that started it all. We're going to start with Eve, all right? We're going to start with her, all right? And so today, we're going to answer the question, how can women glorify God in the way they view and treat men? Fellas, get ready, y'all, next week. So here we go. Ladies, you're on deck. So let's read. We're going to read in a minute, Genesis 3, 16. Just to give you a little backstory really quick. If the, the first uh, chapters of Genesis, if you haven't read it yet, God creates everything. He creates the world. And at the very end on day number six, right before he takes the week off or the day off to be able to enjoy everything he's done, right? Here he creates man and women. He creates them. First, he creates man first. Later, he creates woman. Because here he got Adam. He's been doing a job. He's been doing this. And uh, God says, you know what? Everything has been good. I created this. It's been good. I created this good. Man, good. Uh-oh. Something is not good. First time God says something is not good. He should not be alone. He should not be alone. And he goes and creates Eve. Some of y'all might know the story. He puts, you know, he puts Adam to sleep. Just knocked him out, all right? Takes or does surgery. First surgery ever recorded in history. And so he takes this rib out of him. And out of that rib, he shapes a Eve. All right, there it is. And when he, Eve, when Adam sees Eve, that this is kind of like, he literally breaks out in a song. I mean, my dude goes down and throws better than, you know, Barry Wright or Silk Sonic or any about that. His first reaction to Eve is my man burst out in a love song. Literally, that's, that's what that is. When he says woman, it, it's this statement like just, whoa. Like it was just, oh my gosh, what is, God just outdid himself. What is this? And so, and the Bible describes her as a suitable helper because he did not have that. And so here they go. They're doing their job. Everything is going great. Then we got a snake in the grass. All right. The devil shows up and he starts spitting game. He starts talking to Eve and Eve just her. All right. Now God created Adam first and God put him in charge of the garden. And here she is to help. And so the devil now um, undermines God. Instead of going to the boss, instead of going to who's in charge, he goes to next in line. And he gets her, he's talking to her, deceives her. Did God really say if you eat from that one thing, uh, you're going to die? What he does is he plants a seed of doubt in Eve's mind. And that, that doubt leads her to, you know what? Adam, I wasn't there when, when God told that to Adam. I wasn't there. Uh, Adam, are, did you lie to me? Uh, this guy is kind of making a little sense here. Uh, did God really say? Did he really? Because I wasn't there. Did he? Now, we don't know if God repeated it later on. I mean, we'll see. But, but he's now, there's a sense of doubt where she now is actually doubting God and saying, you know what? Because the devil is like, yo, he's holding out on you. He's holding out on you. If you actually eat from it, you're going to be just like him. He's holding out on you. And so Eve is like, you know what? If there's something out there that, that's better for me and I'm going to better myself, I want it. She eats the fruit, turns around, gives to Adam. He eats. They both fall. And ever since then, all hell broke loose, literally. 
Because ever since then, we've had sin wrecking havoc in the world. And at that point, when that happened, God shows up. He starts talking. He's like, all right, all right, everyone sit on the couch. All right, just like dad, you ever had one of those? When you had a parent, it was like, all right, everyone needs to sit on the couch. We got to talk. All right, he talks to Adam. He talks to Eve. He talks to the devil. And when he comes to the devil, he curses the devil directly. Curses the devil directly. And then he turns to Adam and Eve. And what's interesting is God does not curse Adam nor Eve. He doesn't curse them. He curses the devil directly. But then he goes to the both of them and says, because of the decision that you made, these, these are the consequences you have to deal with. So today we're going to focus on Eve's. Next week, Adam. So let's see Eve's. Ready? So let's read one verse, Genesis 3, verse 16. Let's break this one down, all right? I mean, we're already going right at it. Trust me. You're going to be triggered in half. Check this out. All right, verse 13, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 16, God says to Eve, he says to the woman, I will intensify your labor pains and you will bear children with painful efforts. Some of you guys just had PTS, right? Just traumatic, you know, little flashbacks. All right. Some of you, I know it. You, I will intensify your labor pains. You will bear children with painful effort. Here we go. Your desire will be for your husband, yet he will rule over you. That's God. All right, don't, don't come at me. All right, you want the smoke, you go, to, you, you go to him. All right, so what does that mean? What does that mean? And does it still matter for us as believers today because of Jesus? I'm here to tell you, it does, still does. I'm gonna prove it to you, watch. First off, the, what's the whole childbearing thing situation? What does that mean? That you will intensify. Now, uh, we don't know if that means that, you know what, maybe child labor was a little bit difficult, you know, maybe, but now it's going to be worse. But what we do know is this. First off, there's a good news in that. Uh, and I was like, what? Listen, there's good news in that. The fact is that even though they had sinned and rejected God, he says, um, by the way, yeah, you guys sinned, you guys messed up, but my purpose for you continues. Listen, that's a huge one because he could have, he didn't wipe Adam and Eve out. He said, Adam and Eve, um, the job and the task that I gave you, the mission that I'm doing in this world, you guys messed it up, but you are still called to it. You're still going. Let's keep, let's, let's get the, this job going. That's an amazing thing that the plan of God still continues despite the, what they did. But here's the childbearing and ladies, if you're a mom, you know, this right here this is going to hit you. When he says that you're childbearing, you're going to have difficulties not so much in the birth, but it's in mothering. Listen, because sin is going to wreck lives, okay? Because it's going to wreck lives, you are going to see sin wreck the lives and, and move in the lives of your children and of generations to come. Tell me moms, all the moms in the house, tell me there is nothing more painful than for you to see your kids dealing with the consequences of sin. Yes or no? Yes or no? Moms know. Moms know. That's what that means. He says, you are going to see sin because now sin has entered the world through you. You are, you're going to wait. You're going to feel that weight. You're going to feel that weight and you're going to see sin move in the lives of your children. And it is going to hurt your heart. It's going to hurt your heart and weigh on you. That's not a curse. That's the consequence to their decisions. But then what about the other one? So here it is. When it comes to your kids, you're going to have this issue. It's not going to be easy to mother these kids because of sin, all right? I like this one preacher calls, you know, it's little babies, vipers, and diapers, right? That's what they are. It's right, right out the gate, all right? Right out the gate, they're vipers and diapers. And so the thing is, it's going to be hard for you. Oh, and by the way, let's talk about your husband now. You are going to, do you guys catch that word, desire? 
You are going to desire your husband. Now, what that doesn't mean is you're going to be like, you know, I don't mean desire like that. All right. It's not any, it's not a something romantic or something. Man, I just can't keep my hands off him. It's not like that. Okay. It is not kind of that desire that you just, just want him all the time. It's not the desire. Some of the fellows will be like, man, bro, I, thought, I was liking where this was going. Oh, yeah, what you, what you doing? What you doing? And I was like, listen, it's not that, okay? But, all right, the thing is when he says you will desire your husband, meaning you are going to desire his role and his responsibility that I've given him. Do you know how I know that? Because of the next statement Jesus says. You're going to, I mean, well, God says here, the, the father says, you're going to desire him, yet he will rule over you. Do you guys know that that's, that's actually God. God's just warning Eve, warning ladies. This is going to gonna, this is gonna be at the something you're really gonna struggle with. It's gonna hurt your heart to see your kids grow up and be affected by the sin of this world. Oh, and by the way, you are gonna be tempted to want to be and operate in the position that I have given men. Yet when he says, yet he shall rule over you, meaning he has a lane. That I have declared, men, this is your lane. Women, this is your lane. Both are different. By the way, both are equally important. One is not more important than the other. Okay? It is not. We see it in scripture and you know it in reality. Listen, ladies, you need men in your life. Men, you need ladies. We need them both. Okay? We need each other. We need each other. And so when he says he will rule over you, meaning I don't care how much you want this. I don't care how much you want this position, these roles. I'm not changing. He has a lane that he needs to be in and learn to operate in. You need to learn and operate in yours. What Eve is pretty much, what he's warning Eve is, you are not going to be happy with the roles and responsibilities I've given you. You are not going to be happy with my plan for you, what I want to do in, through women in this world. You're not going to be happy. In essence, you're going to want to be, you're going to be tempted to want to be a man. Listen to that. Because that, that has a whole can of worms I'm op- that, that I'm opening up. Ladies, f- females are going to be tempted to want to be men. Not literally, and then we see that, but you're going to want to think like, act like, and operate like men. That word desire, you know what that word desire means? To dominate to undermine, to devour. He's saying, ladies, you are going to struggle because you're, tempt- you're gonna be tempted to wanna dominate men in your life and to not allow them to operate in the way that I want them to operate and I'm calling them to. That is gonna be your temptation, ladies. Oh, and we know that, we see that. We see that all the time. We see that in rela- right there, right there, we see the beginnings of the conflict that we have between genders right there. It's that. It's everyone trying to be each other's role and responsibility. But he says he will rule over you, meaning he has, a, he has a lane, you have a lane. You guys need to find and operate in that and not be, in essence, not be dissatisfied with what God has given you. All right, because Eve, you know what? Uh, well, I'm gonna tell you what Eve did in a little bit, what her situation was, what her problem was bigger. But let's just kind of look down at this because the word here, there is something that God is telling women they need to do. In essence, you need to learn to respect the role that God has given men and the responsibilities God has given men. Now that looks differently in a lot of categories. And so we're going to break that down again. Remember some of y'all going to be like, what about, I was like, hold on. I got some categories. Wait for the first. We'll go to the second. We'll keep going. And by the way, if anybody has any further questions, you can email me, you can at me. That's fine. I'd love to be able to do that. I'll get on Facebook live this week, IG live. We'll talk about it, but let's just focus on a few of these. Number one, 
Let's look at the relationship between if you are single, unmarried, all right? So all the ladies single and married, especially if you're still at home and your father is alive. This is gonna be your situation. What does it look like? How can you learn to honor what God has established and how can you view and treat men? Well, here it is. Number The first one is with the father, if you know anything about the Old Testament and the 10 commandments, you know this one. God has called all children, both boys and girls, men and women to honor your who? Father and mother. So ladies, There is a special relationship between you and your father, okay? You are called to honor your father. That is one lane that God has given men to be, and that is to men to be fathers. And so you, as if your father is still alive, you are single unmarried, listen, that is the one male figure that is super critical in your life. Okay, because that, that is an image. First off, your father in your life is the closest thing. It's really the, the, the most present thing that you have when it comes to a man in your life. That's an important relationship. You and your father, and you are called to honor him. Now, honor looks different. It looks a lot of kind of ways. And I know it's a little maybe hard because some of you ladies might be like, um, why should I honor such a dishonorable man? I understand that. How can I honor such a dirtbag? You do not know my dad. Well, here's the thing about responsibilities that go for everybody. Uh, just because someone else isn't doing their job doesn't mean you're, you can't do yours, okay? That's your personal responsibility. You can't control other people. All you can control is you. And so how can you honor your father if this is somebody that is a dishonorable person? Well, here's how you honor them. You pray for them. Because if they are not believers in Christ Jesus, if they are not walking in the will of the Lord, then why, why do anything else but pray for them? You pray for them. You forgive them. You honor them by forgiving them. You honor them by still loving them, even though your father does not show love to you. You honor him by serving him, though he may be self-seeking and selfish. That is how you honor your father. And that is how you can be a light in a dark place in your home in order to lead your father to Jesus. Because if that is how he is acting, if that is how he's behaving, his soul is in jeopardy. Do you guys understand? Do you hear me? And so, and I know that's difficult for some of you. I understand he has probably hurt you more than you could ever imagine and more than I could ever imagine. I get that. But this is why we have the gift of the Holy Spirit that God has given us. To be strong when we are weak. To be strong when we are weak. The same power that resurrected Jesus from the dead when you believe in Christ and receive the spirit by faith is the same power that can help you forgive him, love him, be kind to him so that through you, your light may shine and you can lead your father to your heavenly father. It's huge. And ladies, I want you to know the way you honor your father, honoring your father is how you honor your heavenly father. It is a direct correlation. So in this case, you know, this is where even ladies, you're going to want to rule even over your dad, right? You, you, you give him a kind of way to wrap your dad around your pretty little manicured finger, right? And so you, you want to do that. You manipulate, you undermine, you lie, you, 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 you play that game. Listen, God knows there's a reason why I don't have daughters because there's one look from my wife, just she gives me those little puppy eyes, I'm done. If I had two of them, forget it, okay? If there were two in the house, I'm done, okay? It was ridiculous, so he knows, he knows, he knows. And so the reality is that even the youngest ones, you're going to want to 
not honor your father, but you want to get him so he can serve you and fund you and get you. And you got him wrapped around you. You are ruling him. There's a temptation down there. You know, even you don't treat, treat uh, you don't teach little girls to do that. They just know how to do that, don't they? Because that's, that's, that, that's part of the temptation inside. It's not to serve and honor the father, but how can I get him to do my bidding? That's dominating your dad. You're not called to do that. He has a lane you have to respect. All right, when he says it, it's because. Now again, I get that. There's a, here's one thing that you don't. Here's what, this, here's what honoring is not. Let me just say this now. Honoring your father does not mean that you have to subject yourself to sin or abuse. Please listen to that. Because that's where it's, I'm telling you, the, the whatabouts were right there. I guarantee, I felt one. I felt already a whatabout, okay? You submitting and honoring your father does not mean that you have to put up with his abuse, verbal, physical, emotional, um, true abuse. Let's just be real. Then, oh, he doesn't let me go on with anybody. I'm like, stop, okay? That's just, no, that's not abuse. I'm talking about real abuse. Y'all know it. Y'all know what I'm talking about, okay? It is not honoring to your heavenly father for you to submit yourself to that. It is not. And you have all of the right in the world to be able to ask for help and to be able to make your voice heard because you know what? If he's hurting people, that's not a good thing. You need to stop it. And if this guy is man enough to be able to put his hands on you and to say something, then he ought to be man enough to be able to stand in front of a judge and pay for the consequences of his sins. Feel me? Feel me? Because I know a lot of people and be like, oh, well, I don't want to say anything. It's, I know it's my dad. I know he really hurt me, but I don't want to say anything because what are people going to think of my family? What are people going to think? I was like, who cares? Like, wh- why do you want to care so much about you trying to impress people that really don't even know you? Why? No, focus on you. Focus on the, your relationship. Focus on him. If that is what he's doing, then he needs help. And so you're not helping anyone by keeping your mouth silent. That is not honoring. And by the way, you honor him by even, sniff, by even diming him out because he needs help. He needs to be stopped. That's a way of honoring and serving him. It is a way. But ladies, you are called to honor your fathers, not manipulate them. So some of you are already convicted. Good. All right. Next. All right. Here we go. Next. All right. Now you're married. All right. So let's talk about all the people that are married, uh, want to be married. All right. Let me just help you. Here's the situation. So when you get married, now your relationship with your father, the key male figure in your life, Okay, and again, if you don't have that father, I guarantee you you have some of those spiritual fathers, somebody like that, you know, that you approach, you're honoring your father by honoring, you know, those people, those father figures in your life if you don't have that father figure, okay? Married. If you're married, it it just gets worse, okay? The temptation in you to be able to dominate men intensifies that much more when you get married. And so what does the scripture say? How are women to be able to view and honor men? Well, it's consistent. Paul is very consistent and he loves to use a word. And it's that word. Some of y'all know it. It's the S word, but it's not the other kind of S word. Submit, wives, submit to your husband's. All right. Some of y'all need to comb the little hairs on the back of your neck real quick. You just need to comb them back down. Take a breath. All right. Because I'm coming with one, two, one, two combo. Here it is. All right. So that's there. submit. That word submit is referencing back to that. He shall rule over you. Meaning you have to let him 
be the man in the relationship and the man in your home. He has a role and responsibility. You need to be the woman in the relationship and the woman in the home. Both are important, okay? And so submitting to that, you submit to your husband, meaning you are submitting to his role and responsibility in the home. By the way, that same word submit in Ephesians chapter five, verse 23, Paul uses the same word two verses earlier to say men and women submit to each other. So, ooh, that's next week. But hold on. You got to submit to each other. But again, we're just focusing on the ladies today. How do you, uh, how, how do females submit to the male, the husband? Okay. Same word for both. Oh, and by the way, James uses the same word to say men and women submit yourselves to God. So it's the same word, the same thing. And in the same way that you honor your father, you honor your heavenly father, you actually submit to Christ when you learn to submit to your husband. You know what that means? Some of y'all, it's gonna hurt, good. If you are not submitting to your husband, you are not submitting to God. You are telling God, I don't agree with you. I wanna do it my way, forget your way. That is the audacity that you have when you don't submit in that way. You're not, you're not just not submitting to a man. You're not submitting to God. This is deeper than you think. And so when it comes to that, what does that mean? Again, that, that word submit, again, comes from that word still, respect. There is this respect that you have to have for his voice, for his opinions, for his role, for his responsibility, for his feelings. There is a respect that needs to be there. And remember, let's go back all the way to the beginning, back to Adam and Eve. One of the first descriptions that we have of women is really a description of a wife. And I said it earlier, I don't know if you heard it. God describes Eve, his relationship to Adam, which is not only the general one, but this was a marriage. She was a suitable helper. She was a helper. All right. Uh, by the way, she's not the help. Okay. You feel me on that? She's not the help. That, that was the best one I gave. I, I got one lady say that. All right, thank you. F -f lady, you, you'll give me on that, right? I needed a better amen on that one. You are not the help, okay? Thank you, okay. See, I gave you one. See, I, I mean, I've been like, I, I gave you, a, you know, take the breadcrumbs when I give them to you, all right? Look, you are not the help, but you are a helper. You are a critical and essential player in your home. You are the helper. And if I can give you an image to describe that, you are the co-pilot of the house, all right, the husband is the pilot, you are the co-pilot. Some of y'all might not like that. We're a team, we do everything 50-50. Listen, you are the co-pilot, he's the pilot. Now, can I ask you a question? Is a co-pilot any less of a pilot? Can a co-pilot fly the plane just like a pilot? Yeah. A co-pilot is not less in value or in worth. Why are there, why are there two that fly a plane? Why do we have a pilot and a co-pilot? Because when there's a situation, that's, the co-pilot is there to what? Help. So if there's a situation and you know what? There's an emergency. The one pilot, he can't do it all. He needs the co-pilot to be able to handle the situation. Maybe leave and maybe there's something in the, you know, up in the plane that, that the co-pilot has to deal with so the pilot can do their job. Or maybe the pilot, he can't do his job. Maybe he's, he has to go to the bathroom or he, he's not feeling good or something happens, dude passes out. The co-pilot is there to keep the you know, plane going and keep everybody alive. The co-pilot is important. And so just because it's different titles doesn't mean there's different value. You hearing me? Because the trends of this world says, um, mm -mm. 
Don't listen to him. Some of y'all got the devil talking to you. Some demons talking to you right now. I was like, he's lying. Okay, listen, no. All right. You are the co-pilot of your home. It is an important, necessary role. But that means as co-pilot, you have to respect that God expects, you have to respect that God expects certain things from men. And here's the thing, ladies, if you marry a man, that man married you because he wanted you to be his wife, not his mom. Okay. He needs you to be, see, now we're going to have to do a series on marital, like, you know, marriage issues or marriage, you know, I don't have to follow that one up with that one. Listen, he married you so you can be his wife, not so you can be his mom. And your tendency is to want to rule over him and treat him like if he's one of your boys, tell him what to do, tell him what, you know, he can't do anything. It was like, like in essence, you run the ship. Ah, hold on. It's one thing to be able to co-pilot. By the way, a pilot and co-pilot have to be going in the same place together, don't they? Co-pilot can say, uh, we're going to the Bahamas. I'm like, uh, this flight is chartered to Alaska. You know, it's like, uh, we, no. They got to be on the same mission, going in the same way, all right? And so you got to go together. He needs you to be a wife, not a mom. And your tendency is to want to baby him. Your tendency is to want to treat him in that way, dominate him, and be the man in the relationship. That is going to be your tendency, all right? That is going to be your tendency. That is going to be your temptation is to do that. And let me tell you, that is not what you're called to do. You are called to submit to your role so that he can do his because both matter. Both are important, all right? And let me tell you something. Let me tell you a truth that the world says that there's a trend that's the complete opposite. Being a mother and a wife is not a punishment. It is a privilege. It is a privilege to be a mother, the world tells you opposite. These kids are holding you back. This man is holding you back. You know, you go and live your life. Do what you need to do. Accomplish what you need to accomplish. Go out there and conquer the world. Let me just warn you. If you're, if, if you're a female and you want to live like that, be single. Do all of that. I'm not saying you can't. And there's nothing in the scriptures that says you can't do that and achieve your fullness and go for it. But if you're not, I'm not going to let him tell me what to do. Then don't get married. All right. Because I'm telling you, you're going to open up a massive door uh, into the enemy, into your life. Might as well be single if that's how you're going to live your life. But when you go together, there is something you have to be going on same mission together. So am I saying, because I'm not saying what sometimes some religions push, you know, your only role is inside the home. No, you're the co-pilot. If as a family together, if it means, you know what, you have careers and you've been equipped and you want to pursue a career, go ahead. If it is a really, if you and the husband have made a decision together and I'm saying, you know what? And the husband's like, you know, baby, I got you. I see that you can do that. You can, if you can hand, let's go. All right, go for it. It is a decision that is made together. And especially he doesn't feel uh, a kind of way. All right. You can do that. But let me tell you something. If you are want to be a mother and a wife and, or, and you want to find and operate outside of the home in a career, go for it, do it, be the best you can be. Um, but when you come home, I don't care if you've been however many, a 12-hour shift. When you come home, you still got to be a wife. When you come home, you still got to be a mom. You just can't outsource that, all right? If you're going to send your kids to another school, awesome, all right? But it doesn't mean that ah, I don't have to worry about uh, what they're learning. Uh, you still got to be on top of that. Again, talking to ladies later. See if the, what about? Okay, you got to be on top of that. I don't care if you work all day, you got 50 hours, 40 hours, 80 hour work week. You still got to be a wife when you come home. You still got to be a husband. I mean, not a husband. You still got to love your husband. You still got to be that mom. And so if that's what you're going to do, then all right, do it. But you got to balance and manage your home. You still got to be able to manage that home well. All right. So it's all a balance. All comes together. 
and it's very, very important that you don't just kind of throw off that other side, but you learn to respect that man, submit to him. But then, okay, what if, what if pastor, I got I'm living, I'm living with somebody that, listen, they're not a believer in Christ. You don't know how they treat me. You don't know. Same thing. Just because when the scripture says submit to him, he is not saying submit to everything he ever wants. It doesn't mean you can't think for yourself. You can't have feelings or opinions. You can't vocalize. That is not what that means. It is respecting his role and responsibility. He needs to do likewise with you. But that, what that means, what that doesn't mean also is that you submit to his dominance. He is not called to just dominate you neither. And you are not called to dominate him. All right, so you do not submit to sin. You do not submit to abuse. You do not. If you have someone like that, that is verbally, physically, emotionally abusive, you don't have to take that. You don't have to submit to that. That is not a scripture verse. No, you can ask for help. You can do, and listen, and if he is man enough to be able to put his hands on you, then he ought to be man enough to allow other men to put his hand, put their hands on him in jail. Feel me? All right. You don't have to put up with that. Don't listen to that. You don't have to just submit to them. It's like, well, you know, I have known situations where, where, where ladies have died because they were told, oh, divorce is a sin and you can't divorce or, or you can't leave him. I don't care how bad he is. And that guy eventually kills her. That is very common. That happens. Okay. Listen, you know, two wrongs don't make a right, but, but it doesn't mean you have to, you know, Submit to that. That is not what this means. It is to the role and responsibility that he, you're called to do your job and you can't do his. And so what if you're now widowed? Now let's go to this one. Widowed, divorced, or anything outside of the home. Let's just focus on that. Well, the beautiful thing about scripture, especially in the New Testament, it elifies and elifies. Did I just make up a word? It elevates, it elevates singleness. Guys, I want you to know that every back then in the culture, oh, if you didn't have a man that you were, you were lost or you were lonely, you felt like you needed one in your life, Paul would actually say, listen, if you're single, you're not a second-class person. In fact, there is more glory in being single than in a relationship because you have, can serve God more. You can do so much more when it's just you. So if, you, and if you're divorced, all right, and, and it's just you now, well, enjoy that moment. Enjoy that and serve God if you don't want to. If you want to pursue a relationship, that's still okay. But if you, you don't have to. You can give yourself fully to the Lord if you want to. But regardless of all of that, see, now let's say the father's out of the picture and you don't have a husband. What do you do now? How do you approach men? Because those are the two right there. Those are important ones. And I want you guys to know that when the Bible says submit to your husband, Never nowhere does it say submit to men, period. So just because dude's a man doesn't mean he can, anybody, you know, no matter what this guy is, he can say whatever he wants to you. You understand me? Doesn't mean that. You submit to that. But what about this? So here's the last one. Well, listen, you are not called to submit to all men, but you are called to respect men. You are called to respect men, okay? Avoiding stereotyping all men, some of the fellas. You feel me on that? It's very easy for you to have, you have a small sample taste of the men out in this world. And there's, there's a lot of really bad examples, a lot of them. So your temptation is going to want to just bear false witness. So every dude that come up, oh, he just like, he just like, and you don't give him a time of day. You got to be careful. You can respect all men individually. You just can't stereotype all of them. And also respect, see, you respect them, but that also means respecting yourself. Okay. Respecting yourself is important. 
Paul says this in the Corinthians. He actually talks about, here's a man talking to women how they should dress. And the reason why he's telling him, hey, Timothy, talk to the females in the house because they kind of dress in a kind of way. It is not because he's trying to mansplain or dominate. It's he is trying to help the women understand. No, you're acting a kind of way and you're getting your worth and value and affirmation from the wrong places. Because back then in the culture that he spoke of, they, the, the women would show off how rich they were by literally braiding their hair with gold and jewels and, and they would show off their wealth. It was a way of saying, look how amazing I am. It was just literally that that's, they would dress in a kind of way to put themselves on display to feel special. And the culture is no different today. They're not telling you to put on all, you know, they're not telling you to put stuff on. The culture today tells you to do what? Take stuff off, right? Put yourself on display. You got it, you flaunt it, right? You put them thirst traps out there just to know that you got options, right? Just that feeling. No. See, when you, when you dress in a kind of way to put yourself on display, why do you do it? Because you like attention. You just want love. You just want somebody to notice you. So you dress in a kind of way for people to notice you. You put, you, you put makeup on. Listen, I have seen some sorcery on social media on some of y'all. Oh my gosh. I, was I have seen people literally resurrected from the dead on social media with makeup. Whoa. Okay. How is that? Okay. Y- y'all need to do like a Vegas show on that. That, that, that in, in and of itself is, a, is ridiculous. And so why do you put all this effort on the outside to get, you know, just to have attention, to get affirmation, to do this, when literally, literally, he is saying, no, you don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to settle. Listen, you don't have to settle for the affirmation of men. When you have the affirmation that comes from God, his is so much better. His is so much, because he sees you for who you are. When you dress a kind of way to put yourself on display, that's all a guy sees. And if he can't see through that and see how beautiful you are on the inside, don't give him the time of day. Because you know what he's doing? You're his toy. And when he's bored with you, he's gonna move on to the next one. When you put all your effort on the outside, why? Now I'm not saying let yourself go neither. I ain't saying that. But what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, value what's most important. Everything on the outside, guys, this is all fading away. It's all going to fade away. It's going to get more expensive, more difficult to keep it tight, keep it all together. So enjoy what you have. Enjoy what you, but listen, you don't got to put yourself on display to get affirmation from the world when you get it from God. His is so much better. His matters most. And uh, the last trend that I'll say is this one. There's a big one that uh, I'm pretty sure everybody online fill in the blank for me. This is, they tell us about girls. Everything you can do, I can do better. Anything you can do, I can do better. I can do anything better than you, right? That's one for women towards men. And the world is telling you, ladies, your affirmation comes from your ability to be a man. Really? That's what that's saying. Now, am I saying that there's not girls that can do things better than guys? Of course. There's a lowercase truth to that. But let me, let me show you the hook that's in the bait. The hook that's in the bait on that is your definition of being a woman is your ability to be a man and be better than men. Yours is better. It doesn't come from being a man. It comes from being a daughter of God. And that only comes by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. And that is better than anything else that the world is telling you to do. Let me give you one last verse, okay? And then we're gonna pray. I'm gonna release y'all. 1 Corinthians 11, 7. Can we put it on the screen? I got one verse left. 1 Corinthians 11, 7 says this. It starts kind of weird, but we're gonna focus on the back end. Ready? Here it says, 
All right, 11, 7, 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians? Let me put it on there. Let me just read it here. A man should not cover his head because, this is the one I want you guys to focus on, he is the glory of God. Men are the glory of God and woman is the glory of man. Men are the glory of God, women are the glory of men. What does that mean? Because that sounds weird. That sounds suspicious. That sounds sexist. No, it's not. Okay. Remember, last week we talked about the glory of God. To glorify God is to make God known. To glorify God is to help others to better understand who he is. And there is an essence that God has made men in a way to help reflect certain aspects of who God is. But he's also made women to respect, uh, to, to reflect certain aspects of who God is. And so when it says that men are the glory of God and women are the glory of man, ladies, you are the glory of the glory of God. That is what that means. You are the glory of the glory of God. If men are the crown, you are the jewels on that crown. You hear me? If men are the crown, you are the jewels. Distinct, but together, together you reflect something beautiful about not only who God is, but what God is doing in this world. And let me tell you what he's doing. See, Eve messed up because here's what happened. The devil went straight to Eve. You know what Eve didn't do? Before she ate of the fruit, you know what she didn't do? Eve didn't turn around. Adam was right there. When he says, um, did God really say? I'm like, hold on a second. Baby, come here. Let's talk to this fool real quick. Let, come here. I, I need you to, come on. Let, 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 let's talk to this guy. Let's talk. Let, she didn't do that. You know what in essence she did? Baby, I got this. All right, excuse me. And then that's what happened. She, she let Adam, she just took charge. She acted like the man at that day. You know, she didn't let Adam, and we don't know what Adam did, but we're just saying she acted like the one in charge. She didn't let Adam do his thing. And she was deceived and led him into deception. And because of sin and because of her decision, because of Eve, all now sin has entered the world. This is why she gets such that stigma. Women get that stigma. That's all their fault because it started with them. Here's something beautiful that God is doing. Here's something beautiful that God is doing. Ready? Right there, before we read the verse, while he cursed the devil, he actually said, oh, by the way, devil, through women, she will give birth and through her seed, she is going to produce someone that even though you may bruise his heel, he's going to crush your head. That was the first presentation of the gospel at the very beginning. He's saying the same woman that you used for your purposes, guess what? I'm going to use women for my purposes to undo what you have done. And she is going to produce a Messiah. will come through women. And that through women, there will come life. In the same way that through women came death and sin, I'm going to use women to usher life into this world. And so that's what he told Eve. And he says, your purpose is not done. I have a purpose in this world. And through you and through the efforts of women, we're going to undo the mistake and what, the, what has happened in this world. And he uses Mary, a young, faith-filled, powerful teenager to carry and nurture and birth the savior of the world. And then Jesus dies or resurrects from the dead. And guess who's the first person to see the resurrected Jesus? A woman, Mary Magdalene. Mary, she turns around and she is the first person to declare our savior has risen. Jesus has risen. She was the one given the beautiful opportunity to declare the, the truth and the good news of Jesus. And not only that, there's a statement that Paul says that women will be saved through childbearing, not salvation. No, he is saying that through your kids in the same way that women have brought in. And yes, you know what? Sin entered the world through women in that way. But God is going to use women 
to raise up godly generations, to undo all that the enemy has done. And through women and through your amazing, powerful role in this world, no, we are gonna, we are gonna combat and establish the kingdom of light and turn around the kingdom of darkness. That is what that statement means. You are an essential, powerful element of God's plan in this world. You are. And that deserves God praise and glory. It is important. And we need, let me tell you, we need strong women in this world. We need strong women in this church. We need strong women in the homes. We need strong moms, strong wives. We need strong women in this world. But your strength doesn't mean you gotta, it's true strength doesn't mean you gotta flex that strength. It takes true strength to be able to submit to God and to, here's what God has called me to do. I am not going to dominate, do this, do that. That's important. That is strength. And that strength comes from God. And so let me tell you, I know, you know, we look at Eve. Let me tell you, we're all Eve. All of us are Eve. Okay. Here's why it's it's so beautiful, the distinctions between men and women. In the same way that women are going to be tempted to desire and and dominate and be men and, and rule instead of be ruled. That's all of us. God is the male in our relationship and all of us are the female. You and I are all tempted to desire God's position, to want to be him, call the shots, rule our lives for us and have God just there as our servant, as our helper. That's our temptation, but he needs to rule over us. He needs to rule over your hearts. And when Christ rules over you, you find joy, peace, satisfaction, and fulfillment you can't find anywhere else. To all the ladies that are listening, I pray. I pray that today was not only very challenging, but encouraging. All right. It needed to be challenging because you know what? God desires and loves you. And he has such great and amazing things that he wants to do in the world through women in so many specific ways. But today's goal was to really see a general will of God, because when you understand that general will, it makes it easier to be able to fulfill God's specific will and plan for your life. So I pray today it was challenging, but I also pray that it was encouraging to know that God has uniquely designed you as women for his purpose and glory. And for all the fellas, two things. Number one, I hope you come to appreciate women even more and come to see them as the beautiful specimens right inside and out that God has made. But also, fellas, I need you to get ready because next week, your turn. All right. You guys are on deck and we're going to focus on the truth behind biblical manhood and how women ought to view and treat men. And the point of this is, again, being those kind of revolutionaries who surround your and revolve your lives around the truth of God, because it is in the truth of God and who he is that we find true happiness, joy and fulfillment.